right, everybody, listen up. This is D. Snyder. Yeah, you know me. And you're listening to Verbal Shenanigans. But our shenanigans are cheeky and fun. Yeah, I mean, his shenanigans are cruel and tragic. Which makes them not shenanigans at all, really. Evil shenanigans. I swear to God, I'll pistol whip the next guy that says shenanigans. Hello, everybody. Welcome on back to Verbal Shenanigans, another a momentous episode, if you will, Mike. A, uh, we were supposed to record about 45 minutes ago, but my um, my son has decided that bedtime is uh, it's no longer really an option. It's, he decides that oh. the hour that was supposed to be bedtime is now uh, beat the hell out of your father hour. That's the uh, that's that's his new thing. Ooh. I mean, maybe he listened to our episode with the dude who stayed up for seven days. Maybe he's taken some of his herbs and he's like, you're not putting me down, father. I'm going for the record, baby. Dude, he he's like 24 pounds. He's a big boy. And <laughs> I'm I'm starting to think like um, I'm not ever going to be able to like usually like you're afraid of your father and like, you know, you're like, oh, man, my dad could no. kick my ass anytime. Um, even like. Even like well into the area where you know you could beat your father up, you're still kind of afraid of him. I think this kid's gonna have my number by like four years old. He's already wow. like, I'm holding him. He's just kicking me in the face. Takes my beard and he just grasps it as hard as possible and pulls as hard as possible. He bites me. Oh, he ain't playing by the rules. It's like he's not like he don't care if like the UFC ref is coming over and saying things to him. He's like, no, I'm. I'm going for hair pulls, groin punches. No rules. Nothing's off the table for Shane Brennan. Yeah, he's more of a UFC one kind of fan. You know, like anything okay. goes. No weight classes. Yeah. Uh, you know, kicking, punching. He could wear, like, I could be barefoot. He could be uh, in pajamas. There's no rules. There's no uniforms. He takes you down, and then he asks for another family member to come in because he's got four more before he'll get the title Dude, the in kid, one night. The kid's such an animal. I put him down sometimes in his crib, and I think he's, he immediately now stands up and, like, rises on the top of the crib. And now he's got, like, teeth, and he just, like, bites his crib. I actually had to order a a bite protector for the crib because he's literally gnawing the paint off of, my, off of his crib. And that's lead paint, so that's probably not good for him. I mean, I, I kept telling you, you might want to get a crib that's not from the 1960s. It's it's all those George the Animal Steel uh, videos I keep showing him before bed. Yeah. You know, he's like, ah, let me bite the turnbuckle. He's like, that foam looks delicious. Let me get some of that. No. <laughs> but hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. That is Mike. If you're tuning in for the first time, I am Scott and... Uh, we're uh, 370 of these in, Mike, and then and today, today is a good one, and we'll get to that um, shortly. Mike, I actually uh, I thought of you. Um, Aww. I just came back from vacation, and every year we do a beer tasting, and usually just everybody tries to buy like something strange you know, or something interesting. Okay. So, so I'm going through the shells the other day, and I see this beer called Unicorn Farts, right? Which, okay. whatever the name. But I thought of you, Mike, and I said, you know what? This will be a funny one for beer tasting. It is a glittered sour ale. 
meaning oh. there, there is ale brewed with fruity glitter, fruity cereal, and edible glitter. Now, you, I, I don't know, maybe two years ago, you, we were, ma- we were talking about your glitter beer. Mm-hmm. Got to say, Mike, this one I uh, would never buy again. I'm, I'm going to tell you that much. It's, uh, I mean, I am seeing the glitter now. I didn't see the glitter uh, during the beer tasting, but I'm seeing the glitter now, and it's a little strange. But that doesn't even bother me. The glitter's fine, but the taste is just like, meh, very average sour, if you will. Yeah, the one I went to, it's a brewery that's no longer around, Bold Missy. If I recall, it was like... Uh, Turns out they night. spent their whole budget on glitter. It was, it was yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah. They really thought like raves would start happening in the brewery, and the, like things would be like su- super psychedelic. But uh, turns out they the brewery was built for beer drinkers, and uh, it's just just a shame. Uh, but, uh, boss, uh, we have no money left for hops. <laughs> <laughs> you don't eat hops when you put glitter in beer. Damn it. <laughs> No, I, I checked the beer maker's guide. You you really need those things <laughs> yeah. uh, in there, boss. Yeah, <laughs> it's just wa- it's yellow water with sparkles in it. Uh, it's not working. <laughs> but um, yeah, there was a like um one of those YouTube videos that was going around. And I think it was like they posted on Facebook of the of their beer, and it just happened to turn out like as it was like starting to build. Mm-hmm. Like I, that was a week I was moving away from Georgia, right. Jersey to head down to Georgia, and just as I'm like halfway down, it, it just popped in my head. I'm like, "Wait a minute, where was that brewery?" And it said uh, North Carolina. No, I I took an hour, <laughs> literally an hour out of my way to go to this brewery <laughs> to drink this uh, average this glitter, glitter beer. beer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say it was a very good beer. I'm going to have to look it up on my untapped what it was called, but I remember it was, had like a spice to it. And, yeah, this uh, is just like a sour ale with glitter. That's what it tastes like. Yeah, that's that sounds like it's trying to hit like the I just turned 21 girls who happen to like beers kind of thing. Which is, ha- which is how I happen to feel tonight. So um. You do? <laughs> Uh, let's you get feel some, that pretty there, Scotty? Let's drive. Let's drink some unicorn farts. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I, I thought of you, Mike. I channeled my inner you, uh, but now I have uh, two of these. I gotta you know, clean out of the fridge. Um, for, well, I'll ship them down to me. You know, <laughs> if you don't want to do that, come on now. But anyway, um, today's a big occasion for us, Mike. Um, Major League Baseball also had a little bit of a. Uh, I guess um, occasion, if you will, the the Field of Dreams game. Did you uh, did you happen to watch it? I, I did watch the beginning. I, I saw the pre-show. I didn't watch the full game. Probably watch some of the first inning. I came back for the uh, the big uh, ending in the ninth. Uh, it's what was one of the best productions of baseball, and God knows when. I feel they just maybe it's you got to hit that nostalgic mark and got to figure out ways of how getting like find other kind of like old memories or ways to reproduce old stadiums yeah. to have like one-off games. Sandlot game next year with a, with a dog in the, uh, Oh yeah. That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so you liked it overall. Oh, I, I loved like, I mean, it was never over cheesy. It looked nice. 
they did it smart where they had like a limited amount. They didn't try to go stadium same wise. I think there was like seven thousand people there, or whatever. Right. I mean, having the players come out, of the corn was really cool. Having the throwback uniforms was nice. Having Costner going out there, they should have had the 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 jerk brother in law <laughs> start the game. He's like, we're we're going bankrupt. I am selling the field tomorrow you have to sign off on this yeah yeah i thought i i didn't i actually just watched the highlights the day after because i was on vacation i don't watch tv on vacation and so the highlight and it looked cool um i thought it's it's a pretty good idea i'm curious if it will um i'm guessing it's going to be an every year thing now i think it'd be cool if they used that field for like little league tournaments and stuff like that during um during the year when it's not being used i think that'd be a cool thing for like kids to play on and whatnot um yeah, I thought it was cool without kind of, you, you know, going over the top, if you will, or or being like a failed gimmick, like too, you know, too cheesy or kind of just like, all right, I'm cu- like I said, I'm curious if it ha- will have lasting power, like if they're going to do this every year and it's going to be like the uh, the outdoor hockey game or um, who knows. A, I, you, I guarantee you now you're going to see this in like basketball or they're going to <laughs> go have a game at like Rucker Park or something like that or now that'd be pretty sweet and i'll have a black top freaking uh like metal rim yeah <laughs> nba game now that'd be pretty sweet that i mean that'd be something where like the like the old school players be like maybe i can sign a 10-day contract and go out there yeah and that. the owners would have no problem either because they don't want <laughs> kevin durant playing on black top <laughs> 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 the no, I'm for the ball. <laughs> what, what sign are you? Hot sauce? Uh, <laughs> uh, the professor? Uh, oh yeah, I remember those old school days. <laughs> Vince Carter, come on, you know you you can come play for us, no problem. But um, it did. Um, I don't know. It made me think of some other uh, gimmick games, if you will, or nights that uh, certain teams had and whatnot. Uh, okay. That didn't quite work out so so much, Mike. So we're going to talk about some of the dumbest promotions in sports history. Okay. Okay. Before we start, just a heads up: the name of that beer was Trapper Keeper. Trapper Keeper. All right. From uh, Bold Missy Brewery, and all uh, rest in peace. It was a good beer. All right. Gave it a, <laughs> gave it a perfect five out of five. Before we uh, we we continue, Mike, I got, we got to acknowledge something. Your your stupidity has paid off. In a way where you would now, your 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 the things that come into your mouth are now on a T-shirt somewhere in the United States right now. It was just a matter of time. I mean, when you're a vocalist like me, it's bound to show up on a T-shirt, and all. It was it was either going to be that or Cuomo's. I'm not perverted. I'm Italian. So you're. So I'm oh, glad I beat him to the punch. So this week's title you're going with is vocalist, is what you're saying. I I, I feel I've met that mark. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I. Well, anyway, a couple months ago, we interviewed Jonathan Antoine. We, you've probably heard us mention this over the last few weeks because we got great feedback from it and a lot of followers. <laughs> and one of them happened to be a, a woman by the name of Groovy Joan. And she sent us a, a picture and a video today of <laughs> she had a shirt that says Verbalian Number One, which Mike jokingly said that would be the name of our our fan group, which we mm-hmm. kind of spurred from a conversation of the Fantuans, who are fans of this Jonathan Anton character. And uh, so she also sent us a video of uh, referencing a, a children's song I sang on the podcast like last week or two weeks ago. And 
Uh, she referred to you as Pilgrim Mike and God. It's now in audio and video, Mike. I mean, all those names fit me right. I mean, she'll be called me the vocalist uh, after this episode comes out, which will be very soothing to my ego. I appreciate that. I believe we I have a uh, better vocalist on the show in in a few minutes. But you know, I'll uh, we'll we'll let you have uh, it for now, this. Scott. Don't make me challenge the guests. You know what happens when I challenge the guests? I always embarrass them, and it's sad. We'll so. let you have it for like the next fifteen minutes or so. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. All right. Shifting it, but so thank you, Groovy Joan. We love the uh, we love the support and the uh, you know the uh, the acknowledgement of our our little podcast here. But uh, Mike, um, the Milwaukee Brewers once had Jeffrey Hammond's bobblehead night. Jeffrey Hammond's okay. bobblehead, which was a great idea. The phenomenon started many years ago and permeated the fabric of our society. It was no surprise when the Milwaukee Brewers advertised Jeffrey Hammond's bobblehead night for one of the games. Fans turned up, got their bobbleheads. They were happy. The only problem was that Jeffrey Hammonds was no longer on the Brewers roster. He was cut from the team a few days prior. Yeah, I mean, I guess when you got the uh, inventory, you just say F it and give it out. I mean, yeah. I mean, sir, I don't think it's like, uh, hey, uh, bobblehead company, uh, I got my receipt right here. Uh, uh yeah, can you take back these two million bobbleheads? <laughs> yeah, or or even better, you get an intern that's got to like twist off the head, and then they have to have put like a generic face <laughs> on it. It's like, no, that's our middle reliever. Remember? I just picture the intern going around the locker room with a bobblehead in his hand. Like, who does this guy look like? <laughs> <laughs> you just put a ping pong ball on there with a smiley face. <laughs> All right, so that was a tame one. Let's let the next one is one of my favorites. Actually, it's high up in the list, but one of my favorite ones. The Fort Myers Miracle Minor League Baseball team is known for putting in on ridiculous promotions. Most of them are pretty clever and interesting. However, this one did not work. The Miracle planned to charge five dollars to get into the game and fifty thousand dollars to get out, but the event failed to take off due to the lack of focus and interest. The name of this night, Mike, was. Fort Myers Miracle Scientology Night. It was <laughs> Scientology Night at the stadium. The plan was to have images and videos of Tom Cruise and other famous Scientologists entertain fans throughout the stadium, but people seemed more interested in the Dave Matthews tribute band that was scheduled to play after the game. Like, can you imagine, like, they sick their lawyers on, like, this little minor league team? Who got like everybody who leaves? It's pretty much like they stick their lawyers on there to say you can't say anything about the religion. It's like the most unknown religion. Yeah, I mean, remember when the South Park they literally explained the religion, and the, I think they had to take it off the air for yeah. a few years just because Comedy Central was getting bombarded by like Tom Cruise's people. <laughs> Scientology night at the stadium, baby. <laughs> um, the Seattle Mariners they had free compost night. Ooh. This one falls under the good intentions, bad execution umbrella. The Seattle Mariners hope to bring environmental issues to the forefront by holding several free compost nights. The giveaway, however, leaves something to be desired. Each fan will go home with a bag of compost. Doesn't sound so bad, right? Then we find Ooh. out the compost is made of the trash collected from the stadium. So basically you're going home with a bag of half-chewed hot dogs, peanut shells, and discarded sunflower seed shells. I mean, it's a great way to save on maintenance. I don't know what to say there. I mean, I mean, I 
guess it's something for the environment. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I would probably just like grab a seat instead. You know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. The Cleveland Indian. I mean, Guardians, I guess. Uh, God, how dare you, Scott? Weather curriculum book day. <laughs> the idea of the promotion was that it was supposed to draw fans to the stadium. Because of this, the teams often try to give away things kids will like in hopes they'll convince their parents to come to the game, bring the whole family. So the team gave away things like lunch boxes, backpacks, sticker books, you know, the things kids want. But instead, they tried to give out a weather curriculum book, and it was a largely failed uh, promotion. It sounds like when you and I are in like a rut and trying to find guests and we just like randomly got, I got a weather curriculum person for the podcast next week. It, <laughs> it's just like fill in the blank and all. I mean, it's one of those, it's like, Hey everyone, you know, we got a really interesting episode next week. Oh, we got a cave dweller this week. Sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Boston Red Sox, you know, their fans to be so peaceful and uh, calm and, mm-hmm. Did I ever tell you I got I got a uh, I went to see the Mets play the Red Sox and I got yelled at by security for cursing? I thought that was mandatory. The Red Sox. <laughs> I know. Game. Do you think everyone around me was uh, <laughs> was not? <laughs> it was unbelievable. But anyway, uh, Derek Lowe, if you remember him, poster night. Uh, so to start out, they're going to give out a Derek Lowe poster. He struggled to the point where they stopped the game. It was Derek Lowe poster night. They threw all the posters back on the field. They stopped the game for 15 minutes. That's when you know you're struggling, when they throw all of your free posters on the field. And it was for kids. They didn't care. Three-run lead, and I gave up five in a matter of seconds. There were bonfires. They set on fire outside. After the game, it must have been a cold night. Then midway through the game, they announced it was compost night, and they gave away the posters yet again. (laughs) God dang it! I threw that in right field. The Chicago White Sox, halfway to St. Patrick's Day night. (laughs) I can tell this is going to have a good ending. On September 8, 2006, the White Sox celebrated halfway to St. Patrick's Day night. The fans, 21 or older, were given snazzy green White Sox hats, courtesy of Miller and the White Sox themselves donned green pinstripe jerseys. I know everyone's looking for an excuse to drink, but this is a little bit of a stretch. Mm. Yeah, pass. It was just stupid. Yeah. Just stupid. We, I have no comedy. Next question. Charleston River Dogs. <laughs> Charleston River Dogs, um, which we saw a lot of this actually this year, had nobody night. Nobody night. The owners of the Charleston River Dogs minor league baseball team decided in 2002 they wanted to set a record. They thought it would be cool if they had an official attendance of zero for one of their games. Thus, Nobody Night was born, where fans who had already paid for their tickets were locked out of the game, and no one was allowed to enter the stadium until the fifth inning, after the game had been declared official and the attendance was recorded. The crazy thing is that the night was a total success. The fans who paid their tickets were allowed entry into a party tent set up outside the stadium where beer and food were sold at a discount price. Fans brought ladders and lawn chairs and set up outside the stadium, sometimes peering through the chain link fence to see the action. I mean, number one, we've already tied that record in attendance. It's called COVID. COVID. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, number two, I, I have to give them uh, an applause on this one because, I mean, to have the party afterwards, I mean, let's say I've, I've been to a few minor league games. It's all 
well and fun to go there, but there's nothing spectacular about it. So to make the after party the biggest thing might be the most brilliant thing about a minor league game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, then you have Chicago Blackhawks hard hat night, Mike. Um, hockey teams that gave a hard hat to uh, – they gave it to a different player after each game, the guy that worked hardest for the benefit of the team. The Blackhawks thought it would be a good idea to give away helmets to their hardworking fans. Uh, the promotion went fine until, Mike, would you like to guess what happened? I'm guessing somebody scored a hat trick there, Scotty. <laughs> Jonathan Taze scored a hat trick, and all of the hard hats ended up on the ice with no one leaving with them. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that's got to be up there with like, what would you rather be see flying at you, an octopus or a hard hat? Out of curiosity, <laughs> uh, I'd go hard hat. I think. I think you'd rather. I'm- I mean, I don't know. I mean, like an octopus is icky, but it's like I can pull it off and it's fine. I'm fairly confident I could get a concussion from a hard hat flying at me, especially when there's thousands of them. <laughs> yeah. Like at the end, like the fans had to like sneak octopus into the damn arena to throw them out there. And all. I mean, I don't know when you have that kind of like image and um, uh, kind of tradition of getting octopus thrown on the ice that you stop it and have to go through the procedure of like frisking people to see if they brought one in like you can't just wave your um, metal detector and find an octopus it doesn't work like that yeah i mean if you like put a hot octopus by your junk nobody's gonna like nobody's gonna know <sighs> unless they you, you imagine me and the like the new security guys like <laughs> listen i think some guys got like uh, an octopus and his crotch and all and like the <laughs> like the guy's been there for 10 years it's like i ain't i ain't dealing with this kid let him throw let yeah. him throw I, I ain't grabbing that thing you're doomed either way if you're checking a guy or a girl and you're like hey can i see your octopus please um, yeah both are getting offended both are getting offended um yeah. Well, anyway. You know there's scenarios like they're walking into the steam and they'll see like one tentacle hanging out of the back of their pants and just, hey hey but it, it does you no good seattle mariners i don't know if you remember jay buner good baseball player yeah. seattle mariners did jay buner buzz cut night as a baseball fan in the mid 90s you had to love jay buner he was uh robin to ken griffey jr's batman the fans loved Jay, the bald outfielder, more affectionately known as Bone, so much that the Mariners created Jay Buhner Buzz Cut Night, offering free admission in the right field seats to anyone who shaved his or her head. <coughs> if you didn't know about the promotion when you showed up, no problem. Uh, Mariners staff members and sometimes Buhner herself himself were there to shave your head for you. That's when you know your team's not going anywhere, when you – literally just offer one of your best players to go out there and shave people's heads. That's when you know it's like, yeah, we're we're not raising the trophy tonight, so let's just make the fans happy and you just rip a scalp out of somebody's face. (laughs) Mike, you're a big fan of the Vero Beach Devil Rays, right? Ah, Scott, season ticket holder. Come on now. (laughs) Where Uh, the V's at? They had an anti-doping night. Uh... <laughs> the Vero please, Beach- please say ended with bath salts. Please help. The Vero Beach Devil Rays planned to hold an Olympic night on August uh, 7, 2008, in honor of the Beijing Games. In preparations, however, the minor league team held anti-doping night two days before the Olympics. 
The promotion served as a second purpose uh, where they could have talks about steroids and use of drugs. The best part was the giveaway. The first 200 fans received free urine sample cups. Again, that rookie uh, security guard. Hey, boss, some the people are going in and handing me their urine samples. Can't I don't want to deal with this. I'm retiring in two days. I don't want to hear this. Let them piss in their cups, okay? I don't care. We're the virile devil rays. Nobody gives a crap about us, all right? They chuck the urine on the on the field, just call it compost night, and hand it back to them in the end in a garbage bag. Mike, you're a big fan of the Hagerstown Hagerstown Suns, too. Uh, you know, I got a sleeve, you know, honoring them. So you might remember pre-planned funeral night. Oh, nothing says come out to the ballpark like a giveaway that is intended to make sure you know that your death is imminent. The exact that's exactly what the Suns did in 2003 when they hosted pre-planned funeral night, which offered one lucky fan a funeral package worth six thousand five hundred dollars. This includes casket, embalming, use of the funeral home, and death certificate. Like, how does that work exactly? Like, let's say like the winner was like a twenty-year-old. Like, do you have to hold on to a piece of paper for like 40, 50 years and like hope that the company that's going to embalm him is still around? I mean, <laughs> there's no intelligence. You Like, you have to literally give it away to somebody. It's like, oh, thanks for reminding me I'm old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm going to skip ahead a couple of these. I'm just going to kind of read the t- titles of them till we get to the, the, the couple of them. We had the Fresno Grizzlies, Mike, had Kevin Federline night. Oh, K-Fed. Yep. Oh, yeah. The, the people still remember him and love him, right? Yes, yes. The Wilmington Blue Rockets had Cowboy Monkey Rodeo night. I don't see anything wrong with that one. That sounds, I, sounds I tremendous. I would get mad if they started the game. I'd be like, I, I came for the Cowboy Monkeys. That's it. The West Michigan Whitecaps had Cash Dash Money Drop, in which a helicopter... <laughs> Dropped a thousand dollars cash, mostly in singles, and a bunch of kids were let loose to told to grab as much money as they can. Uh, and ended up with a seven-year-old boy and girl each sent to the hospital with uh, trampling injuries. Yeah, yeah, and you know some adult like ripped him off. You know, it's like I gotta go to the bathroom here, son. I'll hold your wad of singles. <laughs> uh, we got the West Virginia Power. They had salute to indoor. <laughs> Plumbing night. Salute to indoor plumbing night where they had a uh, toilet seat toss and a poo toss in the stadium. Like, I, I think they should have start the night by saying to give gratitude to indoor plumbing by forcing everybody to use porta potties outside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like not to get off track, but the worst, one of the worst experiences I remember when I went to a Washington game against the Eagles was like, watching this is Washington a, play. What's that? Was watching the Washington team play. No, they won the game. Oh, wow. But I, uh, this was in the old vet, and this was like the near end of the vet, where I remember at halftime, like, I had to go to the bathroom, and I'm in the stadium, and I noticed there's huge lines for, like, 50 porta potties in the stadium, where I'm like, I'm not going to this. I'm going to go into the regular bathroom, to do a full lap around the stadium to the realization that's literally all they had left was porta potties inside the stadium. <laughs> that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Oh yeah. Um, 
Real quick, uh, Florida Marlins, no surprise, had Vuvuzela night. Uh, I'm sure you uh, can under- picture how that sounded all night. Uh, I mean, but then again, it's the Marlins, so it's probably like four people with Vuvuzelas. Um, the Hickory Crawdads had Noah bobblehead night, which is literally a bobblehead of Noah, like biblical Noah. Um, <laughs> so, like, the ark is going back and forth? Is that how it's working? Uh, I don't know. He's got, like, a robe, and he's holding, like, two animals. <laughs> uh, the Dodgers had ball night, uh, which which ended up with uh, everyone launching balls into the, st- <laughs> into the crowd. Uh, the St. Saint Paul Saints had Zubaz and a, and a monkey night. So, fans, uh, they had a real monkey to perform the tasks of regular staff members. Um, the players and the monkey were both outfitted with the 90s staple Zubaz pants. No, that's adorable. <laughs> that, 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 I, I'd go to that. I, I'm not like, I, I would go to the, like the entire series. If that monkey was out there in uh, those 90s pants, I, I can't lie. Final two, the Chicago white Sox had disco demolition night, uh, where they were going to get rid of, uh, uh, they were going to get eliminate disco from Chicago. Uh, they showed up with platform shoes with goldfish in them, uh, and they were give it, brought in their disco records. Uh, so the records quickly turned into projectile frisbees, and fans naturally started launching them on the field. The big problem happened between games, however, when fans stormed the field and set an impromptu fire in the middle of center field. And it led to the last forfeit in Major League Baseball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And finally, the Cleveland Indians, or the Guardians. Uh, uh, excuse me, Scott? Ten-cent beer night, Mike, which sounds like a fantastic idea. In Oh, that. my God. <laughs> I would just hand over a $10 bill and be like, hand me the keg, Billy. <laughs> hand your keys to someone and a $10 bill. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when a fan's able to get 10 beers for a dollar, you're asking for trouble. The Indians made a mistake in a game against the Texas Rangers in 1974. And the result was fighting in the stands, injuries to umpires, a naked male fan sprinting on the field, and one fan full of liquid courage even managing to snag the hat off a of Rogers outfielder, Jeff, Bur- uh, Jeff Burroughs' head. Uh, eventually, the inevitable happened, and the Indians were forced to forfeit the game, Mike. The game. Mm. So, if we were going to have like a promotional like uh, night, would, what would we would give away? Hmm. Well, obviously the T-shirts, since you haven't been able to give one away since we bought them. Um... <laughs> I, no, I've given several away. I have not sold many of them. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. I mean, I mean, maybe Groovy Joan needs like a matching shirt to go with her handmade one. Yeah, yeah. But, um, well, hmm. maybe like um, like like gold trophies of me and call it God Night. All right, enough of this malarkey. Let's get to uh, (laughs) – I I can't deal with you right now. Um, uh, So damn excited for this one, Mike. Um, Arguably, um, we talked before the show, arguably our uh, maybe top five most well-known guests, uh, just a household name. Uh, Mike, uh, who we got on the show tonight? Well, before I introduce our guests, a a little caveat here. So as we were looking to fill up the schedule – and we were trying to search for people. Uh, initially, I talked to somebody who's like, I got an author to do the show where it was, the name of the 
book was it was leave good memories not funeral bills right um i feel like i got a better deal with this guest instead of talking to that person um he was also at that Cleveland Indian, uh, whatever, uh, plan your own uh, funeral. Night. Yes, uh, yes. That's why, uh, that's the reason why he's on a book tour right yeah, yeah, now. Yeah. And, uh, it, it, he's going to every Major League Baseball city to, t- <laughs> to do that. But, um, Scott, when it comes to um, rock legends, I don't use that term lightly. I believe it applies to our guest tonight. Now, you might have uh, noticed some other stuff he's in. You might have noticed him. Um, testifying to congress in the 1980s you might have known that he was a voice in spongebob squarepants you might have seen his uh, feature film strange land back in the 90s but you probably know him as the big wig makeup wearing lead singer for twisted sister who told us that he was not going to take it scott we are talking to the d snyder that's correct, folks. Uh, so, uh, very big honor to talk to D and, and, and get him on the show. Um, and just an amazing interview coming up. So, without further ado, uh, here's our interview with the one, the only, D. Snyder. Sorry about that. They uh, didn't give me a link <laughs> to the interview. There was uh, opened up the uh, the the schedule and there it was you know shenanigans whatever and no link so i had to go on a, a mad hunt no problem but, uh, but this said uh we're good to the bottom of the hour so um uh so we're good sounds good man and awesome. I, I wouldn't expect any less of a background than a wall full of skulls from you i, I love it People said, D, what did you do during uh, COVID? I collected skulls. Uh, surprisingly, easy to get. Uh, so, uh, oh, too soon? Is that too soon? No, it's great. It's just it, perfect timing. I mean, the most awkward thing is, like, our next interview is with a museum that collects penises from all different animals, and they <laughs> had a whole documentary as they got the first human penis in their museum in Iceland. Oh man, what a bunch of dicks! Yeah, well, <laughs> if we want, if you want me to bring them on, and we can have a weird four-way interview yeah. right now, that'd be. We'll be ask cool. them not to put up their background, though. That will get it weird, okay? <laughs> D, I want to thank you so much for giving us a few minutes of your time. It really is an honor to talk to you, man. It's uh, it's a real pleasure. pleasure. Um, so I, I guess I'll start here. I, I it's really cool to see that you are still active. Not only just like uh, acting and doing shows and interviews, and but you you recently just uh, you released a new album. Um, was that all written and recorded like during pandemic shutdown time, or was this something that you had planned before? No, uh, it was written, recorded, and inspired by the state of the world. Uh, you know, you know that's it. I literally had at the end of twenty nineteen told family, friends, management, and band that I thought I was done with uh, recording and live performances. And then uh, it turns out the world had a different plan for me because I just couldn't keep my mouth shut. So uh, so uh, back, you know, back into the studio I went. So how different is it getting ready into performing nowadays, say from like, let's say you're dead, as early as Peacock, let's say. Like, Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> P is a P, C is a cock. Those on the left can see the P. Those on the right can see the cock. Uh, that's what we used to say. 
Um, wasn't my pick for band name yeah, yeah, or, the, yeah, or that yeah. catchphrase either. Uh, it was, I, was very, I would actually look away when the guy would say that on stage. Oh no, let me do the talking asshole. Uh, but um, uh, boy, are you talking about recording or performing? Either, it's like Both, just, yeah. just the energy and getting ready and. Yeah, well, recording, oh, sorry, recording. Recording, it's, you know, uh, fortunately, I say that the world was ready for COVID in the sense that technology was, uh, could handle it. Uh, if this was 20 years ago, kids would just be out of school. That would just be the end of it. There would be no meetings, so, many, so much work that's being done by Zoom Right. just wouldn't exist right uh there's just radio shows we just shut down because they couldn't come into work and they didn't nobody had studios at home like i did back in the day but a very few of us had studios at home so technology was up to speed and people were already um recording at a distance very effectively and very successfully uh for the love of metal while some of it was done in the studio together other things were done at a distance where i was in california jamie jasta and Nick uh, were in Connecticut and they were listening in on their headphones in real time. And I was hearing their responses to my takes uh, on the, you know, while the recording in real time. Yeah. So, um, so we were like, so this time for us to be socially distant, there was no problem. The live thing. Well, I mean, you know, look, I basically am not doing any live shows in 2021. Cause I don't think they're going to be normal. I've got one uh, coming up, uh, but and I did one for a live stream, but I just, it's very inconsistent. It's unpredictable. And it's not why I got into the business. I became a, you know, part of being a fan of rock and roll and metal was being in that crowd experience and it made me want to be on the stage and for the band and for the audience, there's those moments where we are just become one with a song and, and it's just, that's what it's all about. And that just doesn't happen with social distancing and masks and things like that. And I'm not against all that stuff. Right. I'm just saying that that to me is not rock and roll. So I will, I'd rather wait till 2022 before I get to start doing any serious concerts and, and any touring. I, I said on a recent conversation, I was saying whoever was like the CEO of like Skype and Facebook uh, video, how do they, I don't know how they missed the mark and Zoom just just came in and swept the market and is, is the predominant like communication tool now. Yeah, yeah, Steamyard's trying to catch, catch up, but yeah, I mean, I, I think they were just a little more ready, and uh, you know, maybe we should be looking to them, like who released the COVID bug? Not the Chinese. <laughs> Zoom. It was the CEO of Zoom. <laughs> I'll make a fortune. <laughs> Some guy named Jason Zoom. Don't worry about it. Billions. They're looking, at, they're looking at the Chinese. I'll never realize it was us. It's the Zoom Han. The Zoom Han flu. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> D, I think one of the things that uh, that makes you so interesting and so unique is that outside of the success of Twi uh, Twisted Sister, you've stayed so diverse over time, whether it's uh, doing panel shows and, like I said, interviews. Like, you, I was looking up some of your work. You even, like, voiced a character on, like, on SpongeBob at one point. Yes, Angry Jack. <laughs> yes. It, uh, just got another residual check from that. Awesome. It's <laughs> like I can connect with, like, any generation – Within like one degree. I mean, I said, so, so look at how old are you? Okay, you know, do you like SpongeBob? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Angry Jack, the Angry Jack. Yeah, yeah, that's me. You're Angry Jack. 
is, is that just like are you like have are you focused on that like just staying like kind of open and diverse to everything and what is it like going into like a recording a session for spongebob you know what i mean i, I saw a article in a uh, business magazine it was on branding and they chose me as their example of good personal branding and it was amazing to read their assessment of my career and how I did it when the truth is it's 90% desperation. I woke right. up one day and this is God's honest truth. And, you know, and, and I found out that they're not, we're not doing what you do anymore. I was like, what does that mean? Well, your singing, your performing style, your songwriting style, everything, the way you look. Yeah. No, right. <laughs> no, right. Right. Just no. And I was married, three kids. I used all the money I made. I made a lot of money, but spent like a rock star. And uh, it was like, what now? So I just started anything I could possibly do. I started doing so voiceover and radio and TV and writing screenplays and all these things. They were just sort of like desperate attempts to make money to provide for my family. And it started really, I mean, my first job was answering phones in an office for 200 bucks a week. Right. And people used to walk in and go, aren't you decider? And I'd lie. <laughs> yeah, I'd yeah. lie. Yeah. Because it was 1991. Oh, no, wow. 90, wow. 93. 93 when I came back. So 92, 93. And I'm at a desk job. And people are like, you look just like him. I go, no, I'm right. If only. If only. And oh, people man. would believe it wasn't me because why would he be sitting at a desk answering a phone? That's insane. Yeah. So, so it was really just desperation and do whatever you can do. And I, and somebody said, they heard me on the radio, um, and Howard Stern was a friend and would continue to have me on the air. And they said, well, you got a really good voice. You could do voiceover. I was like, what, what do I got to do? What does that entail? And I started going out and hitting the pavement, doing auditions. And, uh, you know, until I finally started booking and, and you know, now I'm a six figure voiceover guy, but that did start like that. Matter of fact, the first thing I had to do was get, was stop saying Long Island. Can I get a cup of coffee for my daughter? You know, I mean, <laughs> that, 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 first you got to lose the New York accent, you know, and so it's, I've, I've got it under control when, especially when I'm in a, in the, in the voiceover booth. So, uh, yeah. And, and basically I tell people, I learned to just say yes and figure it out later. And by that, I mean, it was not a, not a fake it till you make it, not at all, but if you got the opportunity, like, well, okay, I was on Broadway in Rock of Ages. I never, they, somebody said, well, would, you, would you like to think of it being in the show? It's like, yeah, sure. Never, ever did anything like it except in high school. Right. You know, I was in Godspell. And uh, <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden, I get the call, you're in. I'm like, holy shit. So I was like, all right, now you got to figure it out. And and I did it really well for three months. I was in the show and, it, awesome. and, and it's successful. But I said yes, and then I, I, I figured out how to do it. That's crazy. You know, and speaking about all the different things you have done and all, I, I will say I was a fan of Strangeland. Thank you. But I, yes, that was a great movie. I love Captain Howdy and anything with Robert England in it, it's thumbs up in my book. There's no question about it. Do you feel if that came out like six more years later, that's around when like Saw and some of the different types of horror movies came out. Do you feel that could have made it a hit or do you think you were just too early for your thought process? In the movie? Well, first of all, it's the, for, it is the original, the first of the torture genre. Uh, it's a first horror film rated R for scenes of torture. The MPAA, the rating board, they were just mortified. They did not know. 
I hear they, you know, they, they at this point they had accepted people being chopped to little bits and dying and dying. <laughs> but the idea of no one dying and suffering, they they were it was a wow, that was a tough rating session. Uh they just couldn't explain what was wrong with it. And I said, but no one's dying. And he says, but they're suffering. I said, I'm not even showing what's happening to them half the time. And they said, yes, but Linda Cardellini's suffering too much. You have to have less <laughs> suffering. She's too good at suffering. So, um, but and 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 I did a uh, I did a, a horror um, uh, serious XM show called uh, Fangoria Radio for three years. I hosted. I mean, and and uh, you know, and Eli Roth and and James Wan. That's the name, James Wan, the creators of Saw and Hostel. They literally, we're not worthy. I mean, they saw Strangeland and they said, whoa. I mean, I literally consciously reinvented the wheel. I said, you know, being chased and dying, tired, old, and nobody cares anymore. What's worse than being chased and dying? I see being helpless and suffering. And and that was started the whole, and that started the whole torture genre. So yeah. Probably if it came out a few years later, because people at that time did not know what to make of it, but then it wouldn't have been the first one and it wouldn't have inspired Saw and Hostile. So um, I would rather have the money. (laughs) (laughs) Now that I'm thinking about it, uh, you know, bows aside, I'd rather have the money. Yeah, if you only offered her like a cupcake during one of the scenes, it's like, all right, she's not suffering that much. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> or, or a sippy cup. like <laughs> In between the sewn lips, you know, Captain Howdy offers up a sippy cup. He's like, a juice box. You know, he's not that evil. Yeah. <laughs> you, you bring up an inter- interesting um, idea in my head when you're talking about, you know, you're, you're at the height of a band that is one of the biggest, you know, to ever do it. And then... Years later, you say you're answering phone calls, and then you have this kind of rebirth and this this renaissance. What is during that time between those things? Is it is it like uh, are you is it chasing the dragon of that feeling of of being in entertainment and, and kind of the the mass audience? And do you go through like somewhat of a depression trying to figure out where you're gonna where you're gonna blow and land after that? Um, there's definitely. Uh... That's a, that's a really good question. Well, well done. Well done. Um, you, you know what? I, I didn't feel like I was chasing dragon. I just really just wanted to, cause I really felt that they had not only had they shut the door on what I did, right. but I was also, I felt like maybe I'd overstayed my welcome anyway uh, with Widowmaker. I tried to, to grow with the scene and change. And, um, and I got a lot of pushback on that, you know, that I, was trying to be something I wasn't, you know, which I didn't feel. I'm very, I love metal. I'm very in tune with the metal scene and I love all the changes it's gone through. But at the same time, I got that idea that I, when I was coming up, I was like, one of these older bands is going to get the fuck out of the way, you know, make room <laughs> right. for us, right. you know? I mean, it's, you know, it's bad enough we had Genesis, but then to change, to, to, to split into four bands, what are you, a Hydra? <laughs> I mean, it was like, oh, we're Genesis, we're Mike and the Mechanics, we're Phil Collins, I'm Peter Gabriel. Like, oh, get the fuck, but it's only 24 hours in the day, get out of the way. So, you know, so I sort of stepped aside. That was, I didn't, I haven't written anything since 95. This new album is the first, writing i've done since 95 and um so but i said okay how do i find other things that are going to satisfy me and i got into writing screenplays and i like doing radio so i was feeling you know i was expressing myself through other medium that was and i I really ultimately just 
wanted to provide for my kids. You right. know, I had three at that point. A fourth was on the way. And I, you know, and I, and I wasn't about to stick a gun in my mouth and end it all. Right. You know, it was like, all right, now what do you do? What are you going to do next? So I was moving on to my next chapter. Let's kind of talk about, um, as you were the, like the uh, morphosis of Twisted Sister, like when you guys first start getting together, it was in the seventies and your first couple albums, it got, kind of got big in the UK and all. Do you remember like the, like the moment where you're like, all right, we're here kind of moment. Was it just as simple as when uh, the music videos came out and everybody was getting into? Uh, I remember it very, very clearly. It was, there was that moment and it was pretty cool. <laughs> so um, back in the old days, being the D, um, when you release an album in the States, it took like, I think it was six weeks from its release date till it like sort of got into the marketplace. So it was shipped out to all the stores because remember you're not a big band. So people aren't, uh, they're they're ordering a couple of pieces, you know, the words getting out, radio stations are starting to add the song maybe. So the the way you did things back then was uh, go over, go over to England, Europe, because it's, it's, they're all the size of States. They react like States. The word gets out quicker. You can tour immediately. And um, so that's, that was the way everybody did. So we released the album. It was May 10th, 84 i believe and we uh or and we head over to europe where we had had a hit record with you can't stop rock and roll in england and we're over there and we're touring and we're hearing again no social media so limited so we're hearing it's doing well we're hearing it's doing well in the states we're getting a lot of ads and the, all those words you want to hear the radio stations are playing it great and stores are ordering so but still you're not it's you're not there you're not in the middle of it come home from europe Come home, and my wife, my wife, who's my who's my is my savior, uh, you know, forty five years and counting. So you know, I would always come in because yeah. Europe, we were huge. So I am a god. <laughs> she, and she always say something humbling, like you know, empty the take the garbage out. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and so she goes, yeah, 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 yeah. We need milk. Uh, go up to get some milk. <laughs> What? What? Get milk. Where is my milk roadie? So, um, so uh, I get in the car and I'm headed up to the, you know, the, the deli or whatever, turn on the radio and we're not going to take his play. And I go, oh, wow, that's cool. You know, that's kind of a kid's dream. You know, your songs on the radio. Right. Oh, awesome. I go, I wonder what they're playing on uh, the other rock station. I hit the button. We're not going to take his play. And I said, it's a third rock station in the New York market. I go, I go for the trifecta, hit the button. We're not going to take his play. No. On all three That's local awesome. radio, New York radio stations, they're playing my song. And I said, oh, shit. Yeah. It's happening. That was, mm. the, that was the one where I said, that was the oh, shit moment. <laughs> I, I read an interview with you that um, you got, it took 10 years or something like that after Stay Hungry to start even seeing uh, royalty checks or something. Is, is that, that was true? recent. People didn't know that. That's yeah. insane. Um, yeah. You, you know, you, you sign a shitty deal, um, which most people do. You know, isn't until you're, you're, you know, only the bands that, have a career that goes like three, four, five albums, and then they renegotiate the deal. Suddenly, they're getting this huge income. But uh, and people don't know is that the right company, you know, they give you an eight point deal. You have an eight point deal. Oh, we have an eight point deal. Well, eight <laughs> points is their nice way of saying eight percent. 
mm-hmm. of the profits. Wow. So that means the record company gets 92% and you get 8%. Oh, and by the way, everything comes out of your 8%. Two points go to the producer and the recording budget and the video budget and the tour costs. And because when you start out, you're not making money on the shows, you're paying to tour, you pay to play. So you start running up this huge, and now by the way, oh, you had two other albums before your record broke. <laughs> so you already were in the red from album one and album two. Album three, you were in the red, but now you're starting to sell millions of records. You're starting to pay it back. The band broke up in 87. We didn't clear our debt until 98. That's unbelievable. There, God. That's unbelievable. So we never got a royalty check. 10 million albums sold, and we didn't see a penny from that part of things. Please tell me, though, you're getting money because I saw a commercial with Rachel Ray's dog food and heard we're not going to take it. Please tell me you're getting money on that. <laughs> well, the songwriter, his share is sacrosanct. And I was a songwriter. Uh, this is the only songwriter. And because you know, outside songwriters, they don't want to hear, you know, oh well, they didn't pay back. If they said, like, "Give me my fucking money," yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. So <laughs> they can't, they can't attach songwriter royalties. Uh, they, I think they do now, though. By the way, they're called three hundred and sixty deals. Um, so, but they couldn't. So, the songwriting you get money for, touring you get money for, merch you get money for. So there was places you were getting money um, and licensing deals like that. Well. You know where get, you get money for the, the that's master uses and so like so there's money for that. So I'm not saying there's zero money in it. Right. I'm just saying that you would think there's a lot more. Uh, mm-hmm. And 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 then when you hear bands, you say, "Why? Well, how come they're broke? How come they're broke?" Well, they didn't make that much money in their in their in their you know in their moments because most bands don't have that Aussie career. Yeah, it's unbelievable to think about. Um, go ahead, Mike. Um. Just out of curiosity, like I, I saw how like when you were doing your solo stuff, like uh, you were talking to uh, Yannickers of um, Iron Maiden, and like he later said like he didn't want to do it because he it's like I'm not into the makeup shit or anything like that. Yeah. And and then like you did kind of like a solo thing, and they forced you to like release it under Twisted Sister. But were you feeling the kind of like that stereotype as a like an artist where? You're trying to do different things. They're like, nope, you're, you're the makeup. You're the tight pants. Yeah, That's what yeah. I see you. Yeah, no, 100%. And, you know, I carried the greatest responsibility for the breakup of Twisted Sister, the ma- the band making it as well. But also, uh, I carried the greatest burden. I never understood why the band members didn't do anything after I left. Like, none of them. They, you know, um, they could have gotten another singer. Many, many people do. It doesn't work usually, but Skid Row's out there. They've been playing with different singers, filling in for, you know, I mean, but my guys just stopped. Um, never went solo. I mean, Mendoza joined Blackfoot and and, and Mountain for a while. Uh, but for the most part, they just sort of stopped playing. So I, but now I try to start over, but I'm carrying with me this very powerful image and memory and legacy and, 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 you know, and, you know, hair and makeup have become a dirty word, yeah, you know, yeah, in yeah. the 90s. So here I'm trying to, uh, to, to leave that behind. And I loved it. I was my, I was the guy championing that, that's that whole thing. I have no shame in my game, but now that was then this is now. And, and people are assuming like Yannick, and I remember talking to him, but he didn't say that to me. 
he just he didn't say he didn't say are we gonna be wearing makeup you know yeah you asked me i would have been no that was twisted sister i'm not doing that now but he never asked me he just assumed and said and made an excuse why you know he wouldn't be right for the band so um so yeah it was a, it was and i in many ways i wonder if you know i could have put out these two albums say you know these solo records like say contemporary metal records i tried to do it with widowmaker and people weren't letting me i don't think people were ready to let d snyder be d snyder i need to put some distance huh. between the 80s and who i am today it's interesting um I, I know we're coming up on our team time here, but I, I did have a question. I, oh, you know, you mentioned you're married for almost 45 years or 45 years and you, yeah. You, yeah. Four kids, correct? Four. Yeah. Four. Like how, as a, such a creative person and like the dynamic of being in one of the biggest rock bands during that era, and then now still being so active, how is that, that balance of family life and, and creative life? Um, like how do you manage to, to, to be both dad and also D Snyder to, to everyone else? Well, you know, um, I, you know, certainly had my bumps along the way. Uh, and, and again, credit to Suzette for not like dumping my ass. Uh, we nearly came apart in the, you know, in the late eighties, cause I was pretty, you know, I was pretty full of myself and I did not want to hear no from anybody anymore. I mean, you had, you had a milk roadie for, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and this is a tough Brooklyn chick mob princess. Uh, and she wasn't going to just say yes to me because I wanted to hear yes. So she never stopped saying no. And I was no one says no to me. You know, <laughs> I'm an asshole. Okay. I admit it. I mean, I, I, but anyway, but we we made it through. And I just want for people to know who, who it's not, you know, we went to therapy at some point. We nearly broke up at one point, you know, but we did make it through. So thank God for all those things. Um, now I lost track of the original question. You're oh, saying, I said, oh, how do you ba oh, balance you dad and D? I'm, um, you know, uh, it, you have to learn that balance. Right. And I was, uh, I'm good friends with Mick Foley. You know, Mick Foley is. Oh yeah. Of course. Yeah. And uh, we would have, when we both lived on Long Island, we have like our monthly pancake breakfast uh, at our favorite uh, pancake place. That is and a we, great image yeah. right there, by the way. Yeah. Dee yeah. Snyder and Mick Foley eating pancakes together. Uh, yeah. I'm hoping he's got like the mankind mask on. You got the big hair and makeup <laughs> on. I goes and to that like more syrup, please. Yeah. Like, oh, that was, I said more syrup. <laughs> syrup Brody. Where's my syrup, Brody? <laughs> um, anyway, but we had this discussion about, because we're both known for being, you know, of these wild men, right. you know, uh, in our careers. But we're also known as being intelligent, um, charitable. Mick made me a more charitable person. That's another story. Family men. Uh, and, you know, and and people are very confused. Like, is one an act? You know, are you pretending to be one and not the other? And we had discussion, and this is what came up. It says it's like a coin. Coin has a head side and a tail side, two sides of the coin. You cannot separate those two sides. The coin doesn't exist. You can't get a saw, right. cut it in half, and go, mm. I have two different coins. No, it's not a coin anymore. It exists as one. but And neither side can exist without the other. And Nick and I both feel that because of the very intense outlet we had through our careers, it made us better human beings. It allowed us to get those emotions out and to get that side of us expressed and allowed us to be more intelligent, good fathers and husbands and those things. But without, 
without that other side that those that we could not be we could not be either one without the other does that make sense at all it makes 100 reminds me of like how they talk about like andrew dice clay you know that all started as an act and now you cannot separate andrew dice clay oh, from- that's a different thing that's yeah. when the coin becomes one yeah. side and the head side takes over yeah. and eats the tail side and it no longer exists and all that. you eat your own twin that's when it becomes that yeah that, that, that dice is another i think it happened with marilyn manson too yeah yeah you know yeah. manson has very much become he's no longer brian warner you know when i met him he was still brian i mean i got I, I, I was supposed to go but i gotta tell you the story it's so classic it's so fucking classic so they're recording um uh, what's the one with dope show on it um mechanical animals <clears throat> so i was doing strangeland at the time and i had become friends with with the guys and so i was going to la and 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 uh and Mar- manson says hey why don't you come by the studio we're recording the new record so this is manson this is this is you know they haven't they're really a fucking they're like the shit right right so i go and he says well come see what we're doing and we'll go out to dinner maybe catch a movie i say yeah what do you want to see he goes um i'm thinking grumpy your old men too (laughs) (laughs) another great image in my head so i wait a minute it gets better so i'm like what he goes and he goes um, uh, well, we can go see Butcher Boy if you want. I said, no, actually, I want to see Grumpy Old Men, too. I just didn't expect Marilyn Manson to suggest Grumpy Old Men, too. So I said, okay, I'll see you in a little bit. So I got, I'm out there in California, had this, this Mustang GT, wicked, convertible. Cruise down the studio, come in. The guy's recording. Everybody looks completely normal. The only one weird is uh, Marilyn is is uh, uh, John Wayne Gacy. No, uh, uh, whatever his name was, the keyboard player. Uh, he was wearing a Prince Valiant outfit for some reason. Anyway, so um, so he says, okay. So I listen to music. The shit's dope as it is. And I go, um, I go, hey man. He says, so uh, we'll go to dinner. I know it's a really good restaurant. And and uh, Marilyn picks up the phone and uh, Manson. He goes, hey hi, um, Brian Warner. I'd like to make a reservation uh, for six people. <laughs> and uh told dork and uh and then, by the way choir geek he was a band geek i'm a choir geek so i was a dork too. and um so he and he's like um no you have no you have no tables um well this is for the marilyn manson band oh my god oh, okay you have a reservation okay yeah. great yeah all right we got a reservation so we go into the parking lot the story goes on man but i gotta tell it because and then i gotta go yeah. okay so it was like head into the car and, go, and I see Manson and Twiggy. It's me and Manson and Twiggy. Yep, yep. Walking up to a tan Volvo station wagon. <laughs> and he's got his keys. And I said, what? What are you doing? He goes, oh, this is the band car. I go, not with me in it. I go, I, not with me in it. I'm not riding in a tan Volvo down the Sunset Strip. <laughs> um, and so I said, I got my Mustang GT all done up i said and twiggy was like can i ride with you i'm like yeah come on, you ride with me because what the fuck is going on here so we go to the restaurant rose mcgowan shows up uh billy zane shows up um so and now we all get into the volvo and go to grumman's chinese theater and we're all driving in the family truckster to the theater and there we are uh... in grumman's chinese theater sharing a big popcorn passing it watching grumpy oh. old men do this fucking one of the weirdest moments of my life it, it, i wrote that see me like 
too unbelievable. Can't it will never work as a joke. So the last time I I performed the wedding ceremony for Twiggy and uh and Marilyn was the best man I could say, yeah, he is no longer Brian Warner. That that is that that part of him has been swallowed by the other side, and he is just Manson. <laughs> Manson. Okay, Manson. Oh, man. I will oh. fuck you in the ass. No, not me. Not me. Plenty of other volunteers. You're not fucking me in the ass, okay? Absolutely. All right, and I gotta go. D, thank you so much for the amazing interview. Thank you so much for your time, yeah. and stay safe out there. Thank you for the career. And by the way, uh, the price is the most underrated ballad song in the '80s. I get thank pissed off it never makes a top ten. <laughs> thank you, brother. I appreciate it. D. Snyder, Mike. D. Snyder. That was a great uh, interview, Scott. And since he had to leave us, I just, for, for his things to promote, uh, his soul album, Leave a Scar, which is in the top 20 right now, is out currently in all your big music platforms and stores. And also you can uh, go to his website, dsnyder.com or twistedsister.com or check him out on the usual platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, D. Snyder. Yeah, yeah. You, you should have no problem finding uh, D. Snyder on Google, by the way. Uh, no problem. But what a – oh, man, what an awesome interview. Uh, what a um, – I don't know. Like I said, that's uh, that's definitely top five for us as far as uh, name notoriety. And uh, like I said, I think I think people who don't even know Twisted Sister probably know who D. Snyder is just by his, his look. Oh, easily, easily. Uh, all the radio work he's done every he's been basically any kind of media you can think about so Mm -hmm. yep yep so uh mike is a good time to announce your um twisted sister cover band that you've been planning for you know we we kept it on the wrap for months um would you like to tell us about it uh yes god um well knotted brother right knotted brother was the name of the uh well, fun fact, they actually toured as Bent Brother before they're like when they were prepping for their actual tours, they would sometimes go out as Bent Brother <laughs> without the makeup on, without the stuff, and just to like test out Tune their up. sets yeah. beforehand. So, uh, yeah, I am uh, coming out with my band called Slanted Cousin. Uh, it's uh, a <laughs> that sounds huge in Georgia, right there. Slanted oh, yeah, yeah it's yeah. a passion project I've been working on for years and all. I've, I've worked, looked high and low for the best musicians humanly possible, and I couldn't find them, so I got the four people who just agreed to do it with me. So, uh, yeah, you know, we're, we're ready to hit everywhere, man. I mean, uh, Tuscaloosa, um. San Antonio. Now you're singing, um, correct? Which is why you've been growing that hair out for like the last two years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I still got a permit out uh, to get to the specs as uh, D used to have back in the day. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to go all natural. I didn't want to put on a wig because everybody like, yo, that's D's thing. That's not your thing. And I'm like, I totally right. understand, bro. I totally understand. Right, right, right. And you're singing, right? You're <clears throat> you're the singer. Um, I, that's what you call it. Sure. Uh, I mean, didn't you stuff call is yourself... coming out of my mouth into the microphone. So you refer to yourself as a vocalist uh, prior to the. You almost gave away. What? You almost gave away the secret early on in the show. Well, I mean, technically, I'm a podcast vocalist. Uh, I'm not really a singer. So pretty much, it's just like me just 
spitting just sentences out. It's not actual songs. I don't think um, you, they call guys who talk to each other once a week vocalists. I don't think they refer to us as vocalists. Well, well, I'm I'm starting to trend, Scott. I'm sorry. I mean, when when I see a wrong in this world, I write it. That's what I do, and I feel that. So now I you're be... now you're a social justice warrior, also. I, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I mean, what am I doing right now? I'm using my mouth vocally, so I am clearly a vocalist. I mean, I don't want to hear that. You know, Adele is a vocalist and not me. We're doing the same things. We're opening our mouth and having language come out of it. That's vocal, all right? I'm one-on-one with Adele, and you all should recognize that. Dude, I really think you've lost your you, you lost your goddamn mind. I think you've lost your freaking mind. I had it at one point. <laughs> um, you, I think you were a little bit more together a couple years ago. I, I, I feel like you're unraveling thread by thread as the week. Like You're like an old <laughs> sweater. Like, we're just... <laughs> We're just pulling the threads away, and there's not much left. You're you're basically like a like a crop top at this point. It, it's kind of like if you watch like The Simpsons in the '80s, where Homer Simpson was like, "Oh, okay, he's just a silly dad," yeah. and then it's like he got dumber, dumber, and it got to the point. It's like, all right, this guy has nothing left. He has no IQ. So that's me. But uh, slanted cousin coming to a town near you. This is how I know you're losing it. Um, we need to talk about your dog outfit from the other day. It wasn't a full outfit. It was a big Dalmatian shirt with a collar on it. It was a shirt. <laughs> the shirt had a printed collar on it. I was not wearing a collar with the shirt. This was a man who never wanted to take a picture and has now turned into a puppy running on the weekends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah, so, uh... Do you like, and... do you like, uh, shudder in fear when, like, the Amazon packages come to the house? Like, oh, God, oh, God, what am I wearing next race? Uh, I think it boils down to, it's come to the point where it's just, like, it's like, ooh, it's the blah, blah, 5K, and, and I just start thinking, what the hell am I gonna be wearing in that one? <laughs> what, what on earth, what cartoon series, what... Disney character? Am I am I going to run as like a Dole Whip? I don't know. <laughs> Why don't you prefer, like tell people what the hell we're talking about here? Yeah, so um, two weeks ago, uh, we did the uh, Dog Days of Summer 5K down here in Georgia. Um, it was a nice little small event in uh, Marietta, Georgia. I I don't know if it specifically was like raising money for like animal shelters. Some there was like some certain things with the um, like local businesses or whatever, but they called it the dog days of summer. So the wife had figured out that she could do like a Cruella Deville kind of like running. So I forget if she like specifically ordered it or she kind of like jimmied up. Kind of an outfit and all with the red and the black and uh-huh. all of that. So um, by rule, I had to run with, uh, she purchased a Dalmatian uh, running shirt that I ran in for the race. And I'm a good husband because literally as I woke up tired, she looked at me. She's like, you know, 
have to wear the shirt if you don't want to. And uh, I didn't want to upset her. Like, at one time, as I'm getting ready, I had a regular shirt on, and I'm just like, and I just took it off and put it on the Dalmatian. Went, Was she like, sit, roll no. over, bark for your shirt. Bark, okay, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't want to. I said, bark. You know, uh, you, you could say no. Like, eventually you're going to be right, running in, like, a suit of armor one weekend. <laughs> God damn it, I did 20 minutes a mile. God. Well, what's interesting is I told you last week, somehow, like, our, our, our group calendar is also linked to, like, I guess your running calendar. So I could also see what's, uh, what's coming up for you if you, want me, uh-huh. if you would like mm-hmm. me to order you some outfits. Okay, share with us. Well, I don't Scott. know. I mean, you have the, you have the, I don't like. I literally go into every weekend. I'm like, do we have a run? Yeah. Like I like even as she tells me, and I have this calendar. Uh-huh. I'm always like on a Friday. What? <laughs> well, you have you have the peach tree sizzler coming up. Would you like me to order you a large orange peach outfit to run in? Now that was in the past. That wasn't coming up. This, that was the one that this I year, uh, September sixth. Is there another one named that? Uh, because that was the name of the one that we did where I'd said where I was on TV with the PVR and then I was skipping at one point. And then folks, there's like a folks, small... do you hear this? Do, when I say he's on route, would you hear these sentences that are coming out of No, mouth? no, no. There's a clear explanation. <laughs> I, was, I was, I was skipping with a, with a PBR on TV. <laughs> Come on, Scott. You mean to tell me you've had a couple PBRs in your body and you haven't thought about skipping? Come on now. <laughs> you have the locomotive iron horse coming up. Uh, would you like me to get Oof. you a conductor uh, outfit? You have the... The Piedmont Half Marathon, followed by the full marathon the following Saturday. Now that one we're um we're not doing that one because Disney opened up their run Disney. Do you so, hear this people? Do you hear so we the unraveling? Doing, so we will be doing the Disney marathon in January. Folks, if you're just tuning in, Mike, every Eight episodes or so, Mike comes back from Disney. Um, a man who wasn't yeah. into Disney just a slight couple years ago. Um, so the 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 madness is 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 just happening before our our ears, if you will. Now I'll preface: I wasn't anti Disney, mm-hmm. but I was kind of surprised by the "Wait, you want to go there again?" kind of thing. Like my wife yeah. just like. Like, after the first one, it's just like, oh, by the way, this is our life now. Mike, and it's like, what? Do you recall um, telling us here on the show that your mm-hmm. wife only had one room that was allowed for her, her Disney memorabilia? Um, yeah, Scott. Yep. And yep. What, did, yep. what did your old buddy Scott tell you? What, did, what was he there to tell you when you told him that? Uh, you kind of called BS on the uh, notion. Right. That's and in one room. What did I and, say uh, was going to start to happen? Disney it was stuff. Gonna, yeah, yeah. I believe you stated that it would slowly take over, and basically by the end, I would be like Disney Georgia at some point. Yeah, yeah. Like you would have the Disney House of Georgia. 
Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, recently, I've seen your wife post uh, Disney spoons, a couple mm-hmm. pieces of art. Now, that doesn't seem like it's the same room, Mike. I don't think there was a kitchen in that Disney room prior. Uh, no, that is the actual kitchen yeah. in my household that has that yeah. in there. Have yeah. you? Do you have, like, Mickey Mouse frying pans at this point? Uh, we have a Mickey waffle maker. Uh, we have four... Disney dishes and three bowls. Mike, have um, you ever seen an episode of Hoarders before? Yeah. You know yeah, how it always yeah. starts like, oh, Aunt Janet, she just started collecting uh newspapers one day. And then they flash forward like five years and she can't she has nowhere to take a dump. Like <laughs> she she literally lives with it. This is what is slowly happening. This is what's slowly Yeah, I'm I'm still fighting in certain scenarios. She's uh Asking for a Star Wars room, and I've been, I've been pushing back. You know, she, she really. At first, she wanted it to be the upstairs bathroom. I'm uh, like, no, no, because that's pretty much the bathroom I use. So, and so, so you, you're, you are possibly gonna have a Star Wars bathroom or guest room. That is correct. That's what she is aiming for. So far, I'm still, I'm still winning. You know, it's like that part in like uh, the Dawn of the Dead's and all that, where there's like eight thousand zombies surrounding, and there's a guy holding onto the door. I think we're good. I think I got this, folks. As you hear the man who just told us he was in a dog outfit this weekend, who wants an outfit? It was a shirt. Who has it? That's an outfit. It's not, it's not full outfit. Uh as you oh, hear him, his Disney house transforming into now he's going to have a Star Wars poo poo room uh, to go uh, explore. What, what like are you going to have your lightsaber on the toilet? Well, basically, like we like uh, I had a childhood friend who she moved down here to Georgia, and we've been down to her house, and she has like the Star Wars. Um, shower curtain and uh, they have like a c3po soap dispenser and stuff like that that's that's what the envision of izzy uh-huh. is are you gonna now. lift r2d2's head to use the toilet like <laughs> like, like <laughs> are you gonna, are you gonna have wookie fur bath mats and towels like is this where yeah. this is going yeah when i flush it then it's just uh just pops out a video of Princess Leia and says, help me, Obi-Wan, it stinks in here. It's 9.56 on Sunday, August 15th, folks, and um, Mike is telling us that he's putting his foot down on the Disney bathroom. So, come August 15th of nine at 9.56 of 2022, we will be sharing pictures of (laughs) Mike's Disney bathroom, if he's even telling us the truth, because I have a feeling this is already underway. No, no, I I will be honest and say there is nothing in the bathroom or the guest room specifically related to Star Wars or any kind of Disney thing right now. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this is like yeah, I don't know, like how Hunter S. Thompson started going off the deep end and just start, like you are soon going to be just unrecognizable to people. You're gonna. You're going to, I think, maybe show up in the house and after a long day of work, go get changed into your Mickey costume and sit on the couch. You know, I think it's close. Yeah, Yeah, it's going to be awkward heading back to work and uh, with a full goofy outfit. Uh, (laughs) Gosh, I'll fix your computer. (laughs) (laughs) Don't. 
<laughs> this week on the podcast, <laughs> Dee Schneider. <laughs> if we ever have like a bad interview, I think I'm just going to turn into that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. Well, like I said, it's it's nice knowing you while you still have your wits about you, but I have a feeling episode 400, 500, yeah, maybe by 500, it's over. Uh, and uh, are you talking to the walls right now? No, I'm looking around verifying there's nothing Disney in the man cave. Right I was just going to say, I'm going to start seeing, I see your, like, uh, your terrible Philly stuff behind you. We're going to start seeing little, like, mouth heads, <laughs> little, little, like, characters was, popping up behind that. Was Lenny Dykstra replaced <laughs> by Chippendale Rescue Rangers? You're going to have, like, a lever that, like, tilts the, uh, the Philly stuff back <laughs> over the Disney stuff to cover it up. Um, well, um, yeah, so uh, if anybody has knows of a, a quality uh, co-host or someone who has podcast experience, please email verbalshenanigatspodcast at gmail.com with the, uh, the heading, uh, No Disney Here. Scott, don't, don't try to get rid of the Pilgrim. Come on now. This, this place can't live without Pilgrim Mike. Yeah. So I, I just came back from uh, vacation, Mike. Uh, it was not a Disney resort. No, uh, believe, believe it or well, not, there are. Wait, wait, wait. They, they allow those type of vacations? Hold up. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me more. Wait, I, she kept on telling me Biden put this in the law. What the hell? <laughs> it's only Walmarts and Disney now, Mike. That's it. Um, yeah, so it was not a, um, it was not a uh, Disney sponsored vacation. It was up in the Adirondacks, the same place I go to every year. This year there was 49 of us, which is insane. Um, but, I will tell you that going on vacation with a nine-month-old is hard, okay? Especially in, like, 95-degree weather, where that nine-month-old – did I say nine-year-old? Nine-month-old. Yeah, you started with that. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nine-month-old needs to be held all the time, increasing your temperature at all times. You know, like, he has to be carried all the time. And this is, like, an old in um, – I, I mentioned this before, like Teddy Roosevelt stayed there. The Yinglings used to own this place. It's it could probably be like a historical landmark at this point because it it's not updated at all. There's no AC in the main areas. There's only like eight window units in the um, bedrooms. But on top of that, uh, when your son is sick, like has like croup cough and laryngitis, and it's just snot flowing all day and in a bad mood all day. Um, so essentially my vacation got to Tuesday night where I ended up having to take my son to urgent care up in the middle of the Adirondacks. So, oh, yeah, it was, it was sounds a, like a great time, man. Relaxing, you know, downtime. And we had to go to the urgent care, which is about 25 minutes away. And first we go in it takes about a half hour to check in. Then they say, because of COVID protocols and his symptoms, you have to go wait in your car. Okay. So another half hour, 45 minutes. They say, okay, uh, you got to take your son over to the tent. He's got to get COVID tested. So that's a lot of fun, COVID testing your nine-month-old. I was about to say, are are there cases of that? Yeah. I never, I mean. There are. Not it's oh. not like frequent and usually like the kids who test positive apparently don't really show too many show symptoms. Anything. Okay. 
So we had to they we had to watch my son get swabbed up his nose, which was a wonderful experience. Did he appreciate it? He lo- oh, loved it, giggling, clapping. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> then we go back in the car, and it, like at this point, I hadn't even thought about the possibility of him having COVID. I was like, oh, it's a cold. Like, um, and then the panic starts to kick in. Like, okay, if he has COVID. Uh, you know, we're in a house with 49 people, um, some much mm. older who have, uh, ailments and uh, someone has Parkinson's, so, like a lot of stuff like that. And, um, I'm th- in other words, you're going to have a very comfortable conversation in a couple minutes. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, we're going to have to go back, pack all our stuff and like head back to Jersey four hours in the middle of the night. Because, you know, if that was the case, uh, we would have done that because uh, it would just be, like, completely irresponsible to not do that. But I don't know. I mean, Lake Life, you just – it's like, ah, the water will take care of it. It's ah. cool. <laughs> Who needs a vaccine when you got Lake George water, you know? Oh, uh, um, yeah. Now I'm talking, baby. So um, he, an hour goes by. And now, like I said, the panic's starting to kick in. They finally call us, and they're like, hey, you could bring your son in to uh, go back through the tent. You could bring him in. So I go, okay, okay. I was like, oh, did his test come back negative? She goes, um, she's like, well, everyone is provided a room regardless of, of what. So just come on in. So immediately that answer tells you, like, in my head, I'm like, he, the kid's got COVID. I'm like, he's got COVID. Um and it was weird they didn't so when we get in and they kind of put us in a room by ourselves and they're like doctor we'll be with you shortly 30 minutes goes by 40 minutes goes so it's just this anxiety building like uh the kid's got covid basically doctor finally comes in says like we actually went and we're like hey can we find somebody like we don't have food packed for the kid because we basically left the beach and like we were like we gotta go like he sneezed snot he looked miserable <laughs> looked terrible so like we don't have food we don't have diapers we're like can someone please come see us you know and yeah I, it should be like the old deli counter like you should at least have a ticket and look up and say okay I'm number seven they're all waiting on number five right now exactly that's actually a brilliant idea or like at least give you like a like an airport queue you know on the walls like you're Ooh. next you know what I mean like. Well, while you're waiting in the car, you should have one of those buzzers like you get in Outback Steakhouse. Listen, if they brought me like a blooming onion in in between, I'd be like, all right, we can wait a little while. You know? Then our healthcare system will be doing something correctly. <laughs> then I'd be like, Net, this is America. Exactly. Um, so Dr. Fano comes in. He's like, test was negative. I'm like, oh, my God, thank God. Long story short, he's got like laryngitis and croup and some congestion. They gave him some kind of oral steroid and whatever. Uh, Kids started feeling better, but the vacation was still kind of like, you know, he wasn't great. Started feeling better the last two days, and that was okay. But then uh, Friday night comes, and um, we're upstairs, like kind of getting packed up a little bit, and I kind of, you know, for the next morning to leave. And my mom comes bursting through the door, and she's like, does anybody have Benadryl? I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know. She, I'm like, why? What's the matter? She's like, nothing, nothing, nothing. And like, my wife kind of wakes up a little bit and is like, hold on, hold on. I have Benadryl. So I come downstairs with the Benadryl, and 
my cousin's uh, maybe seven, eight-year-old daughter had some kind of dessert and just had an extreme allergic reaction, like eyes swollen up, her stomach was swelling up, her tongue swelled up. It was like and people running around. My wife comes running downstairs because she has – she's like, I got Benadryl. And she's like, I got an EpiPen. And people – like, Matt, we ended up having to call the uh, – call the ambulance and like up there the hospitals are like 45 minutes away but she ended up okay i don't want to make it like get too personal with the story with for her but uh man it was a very interesting vacation to say the least so when your mom came in and she says does anybody have benadryl and you go why she's like oh it's nothing so the swollen tongue kid who's about to have her head pop off from an allergic reaction was oh nothing i think her like oh nothing like it's for what's her name uh i think it was more of a i'm gonna go to the next room and ask kind of reaction like uh okay they don't have it let's go to that like uh, nothing nothing get out of here like almost a panic reaction uh, it's fine we got we got a scalpel we'll cut out the swelling tongue it'll be cool yeah. it's good it's good i mean that's that's like life for you. That's family vacation life. Yeah, this this poor little girl, man, like sheer panic, like didn't want to go to the hospital, obviously, but was what a what a crazy reaction. Like, oof. well, the good news is you could have just like, no, I got it on my phone. Hold up, you could have helped them out. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Now, now it says to do a Yui right here, but I take the junk handle. You know, I go Jersey style when I go to the hospital. <laughs> I looked it up on Facebook. It just says apply honey to all areas. Uh, <laughs> it, the swelling will no, go down. not honey nuts. No. <laughs> but man, I felt so, now it's worse. I felt so bad for this kid. But uh, needless mm. to say, uh, vacation was okay. <laughs> it wasn't the normal, um, like really good, relaxing time. So. Uh, next year, maybe. <laughs> the moral of the story is leave the kid at home next year. The the Just... moral of the story is go to Disney. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Scott. All the times I've gone there, have I had one example of this story before? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, I will see you at Epcot Center in three weeks, okay? More people having diabetic reactions there than allergic reactions, you know? Mm. They're... Mm. <laughs> well, the more sh- total shock after they look at their bank account after being there a couple of days. That's yeah. that's the biggest thing. Heart attacks right there. <laughs> Well, Mike, it's time to, uh, to it's time to wrap this uh, the shindig up here. Um, uh, Mike, anything to promote before you uh, get out and out of here? Uh, I guess I will promote one of my favorite breweries. I was there recently, Printer Ales Manufacturing Company over in Carrollton, Georgia. They just celebrated their anniversary and had a big old party there with uh, great releases. I'm looking forward to. They're full brews. I know they had a pumpkin beer last year that I absolutely loved. Great atmosphere out there. They have outdoor games, a big field. If you need to separate, if you're worried about COVID, they have plenty of space outside and the weather's beautiful. Check them out. Carrollton, Georgia, Printer Ales Manufacturing Company. Uh, real quick, I'll promote the uh, Verbal Shenanigans Comedy <laughs> Show over at Tap House 15. Um, you heard me mention them before. Uh, it's where we run a monthly. Well, it's kind of like every six weeks now or so. Um, there are a few tickets. I think as I'm looking now, there are about six, seven tickets left. So if you want to come out, uh, Richie Byrne, Bobby Gaines, Karen Krentz, and Jeff Paul and myself, uh, awesome prefix menu, $45. Contact Tap House 15 to 
make a reservation. Other than that, guys, um, we are premiering on Helium Radio. Um, uh, I believe this week, so it's a great episode to uh, premiere Fridays right. at 2 p.m. on the uh, on their network, the Untethered Radio Network Channel 2. We will be there every Friday at 2 o'clock, so go give them some love and support. Um, so I want to thank D. Snyder. Uh, pretty surreal kind of saying that, but uh, <laughs> other than that, guys, please listen to us. Please give us some love on uh, the, the social medias. I want to thank the uh, the Verbalians out there, if you will, Mike. Um, and other One than- and counting. <laughs> other than that, guys, life is funny. Laugh at it. Keep the wind at your back. See you next week. And remember, if you ask the kids what to do with your life, they're going to turn into Twisted Sister and beat the crap out of you. So don't do it. I'm